welcome back to the Angel Investors Access Show. On this series, we talk to startups, angel investors, VC firms, mentors, coaches, and stakeholders that play a part in the Australian entrepreneurial ecosystem. Proudly brought to you by C2 Angels, helping build a community of like-minded, aspiring angel investors right across Australia and beyond. Have you booked your angel opportunity investment discovery session yet? If not, what are you waiting for? Become an angel investor today and visit c2angels.com. And now let's head to the next episode and join me with our special guest. Welcome back, everyone, to the Angel Investors Access Show with your host, Brandon Burns from C2 Angels. Today's guest is a doctor, a medical doctor. He's a CTO, he's a startup investor and an advisor. It's Dr. Wyatt. How are you? I'm good, Brandon. Mate, it's great to have you on the show and to be joining me all the way from Sydney. Yes, that's right. That's right. Now, I promise I'm based in Victoria. I promise I'm not going to infect you with coronavirus virtually. <laughs> but um, I understand that you couldn't participate in person with us because Victorians and Melbournians don't have a great reputation at the moment. <laughs> yeah, is okay because um, it has been the mess in Victoria and uh, some certain polls, they have already blocked the, the pathway to go towards another state. So yep. I guess every other state just should be safe right now for, for temporary measures. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's crazy times we're in. And um, obviously it goes without saying that every day's a different day and that kind of matches the chaotic world of startups and angel investing. So it's great to have you on to talk about your journey as an angel investor. One thing we like to do at the start of the episode is to paint a picture for the listener who's either on a treadmill or driving and to get a feel for who you are and how it all works. So what I want you to imagine is that you and I are in the elevator. We're heading up to the rooftop where your office is located. And in 45 seconds or less, I'd love to hear from you what a typical day in the life looks like for Dr. White. Yeah, so uh, I wake up in the early morning around 5 to 6 o'clock. I have a standard routine that I always go through. If I don't go through that, I can never work and last a whole day. So wow. that consists of a cold shower for five minutes. Uh, a five few minutes? Pushes. Yes, that's right. That's right. Oh my God. And make sure, make sure the cold water hit my face as well as my chest because that, that provides me energy for the whole day. And afterwards, um, in order to warm myself up, I normally just put on some clothes and, <laughs> <laughs> and go and do some push-ups or so some pull-ups, drink one liter of water, and that's how I start my day. So I'm glad you included the day. putting on clothes part. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, now, depends on whether that day I have work or I don't have work. Typically, I schedule all my work on the weekends. And during okay. the weekdays, I um, analyze markets as well as looking for startup opportunities. So that consists of uh, talking to founders as well as helping existing startups network to help mm -hmm. them to network with other startups to find new market opportunities. Mate, I love it. Excellent. So you're on every day, 24-7. That's right. That's right. That's right. I try to schedule out like um, in, in that sense where, where all my medical work is on the weekends and during the weekdays is where all the business things happens. Now you're the CTO at Elixir Capital, which is a private hedge fund. And I've had your colleague Wynab on the show also, who's brilliant. Tell me, how does a medical doctor from the Western Sydney local health district become an angel investor? <laughs> It's, it's certainly a little bit weird um, because like it's, it's really rare to find is rare to find a doctor that's part of a startup and it's even rarer to find a doctor that actually have 
have a hedge fund or part yeah. of a hedge fund or invest in startups. So it, everything goes back to maybe it's better to start off with the very early beginning. So I'm originated from Hong Kong, not from this country. I yep. came into, um, I do have a financial background in high school. And at, but like I kind of told my parents, hey, I actually want to do something that actually impacts people's lives, saving lives. And that's how I got into medicine. And set, like nothing special compared to other medical students that we all came from the same origin. Um, but then I started to realize uh, during my medical journey, a lot of health technology is actually pretty laid back. For example, like um, back just three to four years ago, the hospitals are still using Windows 95. <laughs> and we talk wow. about using pagers to communicate between each other, as well as um, chasing a lot of phone calls, chase up letters and different kind of things. And that kind of inspired me, hey, how, how come such an important industry towards humans' life is such, such a layback industry compared to any other things that we have seen in the market? And that is where I started to see, hey, startups is actually the, the, the way to actually push this kind of industry to the next level in an accelerate, accelerated manner. Yeah. And that's where I started getting involved. But um, so as I, that, that all happens while I was still a medical student. And just the same as other medical student, we probably use up all our savings to get into medical degree to sustain us in the to sustain us a living. And that's why, why I, I don't have the capital to start off with you know, or even investing in startups. So what I did is uh, I partnered with another doctor, his name is Dr. Decider, so was Weiner, uh, and started off a day trading strategy. And that is where we started off um, building a strategy and making some real bucks. And we saved up that real bucks and started investing in companies that we believe is going to perform in well in the future. And that's what, how we got started. So we didn't start off with just purely health startups. We looked for uh, startups that we understand as well as something that we think is essential to the market and is really solving a problem. And afterwards, as we were like, hey, we're doctors, why don't we just put this back into the health industry? And that's, now, that's why nowadays we actually focus more towards the health startups rather than any other startups. But we do have other non-health startups in our portfolio as well as connections as well. Right, that's excellent. Because oh, the next question I was gonna ask you was, being a student, how did you manage to fund uh, your, your angel investment dreams? And you talked about setting up um, a, a separate income uh, stream, which obviously was the day trading. Um, I want you to give me a little bit inf more information further here. And that is for the aspiring angel investor listing, who's probably considering doing the same thing as you, what is a typical first up angel investment seed round into a business look like for you? Because a lot of our listeners think that you know, you need hundreds of thousands of dollars to get into angel investing. But I'm sure in your case, you can talk to different levels of investment that you've made, which have actually allowed you to get involved. That's right. That's right. That's definitely an important point to bring up. Uh, so there are startups happens in different stages. The later, generally, the later the startup is, um, the, the more expensive or more funding they require. And hence, the, the, you, put in, you need to put in more amount of money in order to match valuations of yep. what they currently valuated. So what we started off with, we started off with very early investment, very early stage investments, like we talk about series A or even like seed stage investments where you just barely have an MVP and trying to push it, push a product into the So market. what amounts are we talking? How much? We, we're talking about like, um, they normally start off with five figures. However, however, 
there are websites as well as syndicate groups outside where you can invest in a syndicate group with a very minimal amount. Talk about three figures or even four figures to start off with. So uh, in those things, uh, the good thing about parting part of a syndicate fund is that uh, yes, they do charge you a certain fee. However, they will have a, a selection of basket of preferred or, um, or good startups that they think um, based on experience, experienced people, experienced angel investor selected it and they put it in the basket. And from there, you can invest it simply with like around three figures or even four figures. Mm -hmm. So you're talking about um, using a short-term strategy to fund a long-term strategy. I'm interested to know, obviously you needed the initial capital to fund your angel investment dream. Why did you consider angel investing to be such an important long-term play rather than going and getting an investment property or, or maybe you do, but, or, you know, other, other means, why is it early stage startup investing that's it's sold itself to you as where you need to find a way to put additional funds? Absolutely. So there are startups that goes from the, the good thing about having a certain amount of portfolio putting in a long-term investment is you never know how much the long-term investment is going to make you. Yes. It can grow range from like 10 X or even to hundred X or even a thousand X. And that, like yeah, that's right. That's right. And while you're actually working your ass off of some certain strategies, some just to having enough cash flow, the one that gives you enough equity in the future is actually a long-term investments. And speaking of which, um, I think Wynum might have explained that before, but one of the companies that we did came across is called Benzie. And that company actually goes from pre-IPO to IPO stage and actually makes us a huge fortune from that. How do you and spell that it? is something that Benzie is, uh, is a Canadian startup that went into a Canadian stock. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. And okay. there, the, other, the other reason for getting early involved with early startups is because you actually get the better connections with the founders as well as the, the team members. And you would tend to have a bigger impact towards the startups. Now, uh, what, what that means is you don't just simply invest in that company. You also give them advice, you mentor them through if you do have experience, or you can also give them uh, connecting them with relevant markets, market providers, such as insurance company, very, very, very common thing in health, health startups, they want connections with insurance companies or even hospital admins. Now, once you have done this, you, that is an experience where they, you build a relationship with that startup. Mm -hmm. And that is how, and the startup will further recommend you to another startup. And that's how you become like famous in that area or well-known in that area to have more opportunities available. Yeah, love it, mate. Excellent. All right. So talk to me about um, your process for sizing up an opportunity as an angel investor. So obviously you've got themes around industries and areas that you like to focus on, but by the same token, I'm sure you get overtures and you get people approaching you all the time with pitch decks and opportunities. What are some of the key things you do straight up like first to keep um, the process really efficient and time effective for understanding if something's worth pursuing or worth just um, moving on from. Yeah. So especially in the early startup is very important rather than focusing on the product itself, you need to talk more and understand about the team members as well as a founder. 
that that comes into the experience of the founder, whether have they done any similar startups before, whether do they have relevant experience within that field. For example, if let's say there um, there is a medical startup trying to uh, improve their hospital admin, for example, I would like to look for whether this person have relevant experience in administrations or at least in the hospital systems, so they know what they're doing. And the second thing is how and uh, how much passion do they have in that startup? So you, that that comes that doesn't just comes from how much like they write in a blurb where they say, "Hey, I'm so passionate about that uh, this startup, this kind of things." It's more like about how much time have they put in, as well as how much effort have they put in so far to do certain stuff. And you can tell by talking to people as well as meeting to people. And that's why uh, I always encourage people when they uh, when they're trying to do angel investment to talk to the founders directly to understand them as a person a bit more yeah absolutely so at the early stage the founder is very important yeah yeah okay so i want you to think through because this is really cool what you're sharing with me think through a conversation you're having with a fellow founder and i can be the founder if you like so for the listener um i'll be founder x and i'm approaching dr white and i'm pitching my idea and i and i'm asking for investment straight up what flag does that raise for you when i come to you and say i just really need to raise a hundred thousand dollars for my business right now mm. so when it comes to that uh before that happens you should have asked like so having a rather than jumping straight to financial financial investments you should have just calmed this person down and just ask them more about the startups how did it come with this idea why do you think this is a valid idea what competence do you have what kind of projections or future directions do you have? Because all this, when you're, simp when you're investing, as I mentioned, you don't just simply investing money. You're also investing time in the startup as well. Mm -hmm. you, you're guiding them through the process. It's just the same as raising a kid. You don't just send them, you just, you just simply don't pay the school fee and just let them learn in the school. You also guide them through, mentor them through the growing process. It's the same as having a startup. Yeah, so, that's right. Yeah, I love it, mate. Excellent. Um, okay, so could you be brave enough to share with us maybe a key mistake or challenge that you faced on your journey and how it's actually turned out to be a really good lesson and learning exercise? That, that's actually an awesome, awesome point. Because <laughs> I, I did have, um, um, I, I actually do admit I cheated a bit because I asked the wind up about um, what is this podcast? What did they, what question did they ask? So I cheated a bit in terms of like looking at previous podcasts and I did prepare for these questions. So I was like uh, having, having my morning coffee and I was thinking, hey, what is the biggest lesson I've learned so far? And that is actually one, actually one of the biggest lessons I've learned so far that, that, that is from biggest mishap that I've learned so far. So it's basically a, found, a startup where, where the founder is from my university and exactly from the same faculty as well, it's from a medical faculty. And uh, this, this girl was trying to uh, make a startup that facilitate and improve the process of finding clinical trials participants. Uh, it is an awesome idea. I had a chat with them. I like the founder, I like the team, I like the concept. I was so close to putting my um, putting the money into that into that startup, but that was one thing that stopped me. The colleague uh, of that um, of that core, which is like her classmate as well, advised me not to do that. She was like, uh, she's not good in class. She gave examples how she, how incompetent she is, and and that actually stopped me from. Oh man, 
if she's not in, she's not competent on doing those kind of personal things, how can she manage a startup? And that kind of struggle for just came into me and completely stopped me out from like investing in that startup. And what happened was that actually that that startup within two years actually went from a valuation of three hundred k to ten million, and that okay. is. Like <laughs> <laughs> it's like a dramatic jump, and yeah. and after two hours, I I was just literally looking at the look at the valuation. I was shocked. I was like, "Oh my lord, what did I do? What Wyatt? What did you do? <laughs> that is something that you shouldn't miss out on. Why did you listen to that guy? Why did you just use your own judgment, believe in your guts, and just put money in and get in the team?" Yeah. Well, yeah. maybe maybe the question to ask there is, and that's great that you've shared it, is. Um, because it's not, it's not wrong to listen to uh, advice and opinion from a trusted source, but what's something maybe that in hindsight you could have done quickly and easily to allay that fear? Yeah, so I guess like uh, it's good, it's okay to listen to other people's opinion. However, if you listen, if you listen to people's opinion, it needs to be a person that is relevant to that concept or read into that field for example if let's say is a venture capital or an uh, advisor that is very well known in that that industry and it says yeah this person is bad then that is something that you seriously need to concern about mm-hmm. but if there's something just simply their family members or friends just talk about how incompetent she is that doesn't represent anything yeah and that is, that is the lesson i learned from that uh because by the end of the day if a startup during the startup process if you do you have an advisor that um, that backs up that startup. It's actually usually a good thing. It's actually a catalyst that actually push the um, push the funding rounds as well as the process of the startup and development, the future developments in a much better sense of accelerated manner. So, so by the end of the day, it's just about who said it, and you need to analyze that person in a very comprehensive manner. Okay, so. What, if any, similarities exist between the medical profession, being a doctor, and being an angel investor? <laughs> Make the leap for me. Show me the connection. Show you the connection between a doctor and an angel investor. <laughs> yeah. It's like a hybrid. Uh, it's, it's pretty hard to, to, to like join the dots, actually. Um, if if let's say you're not part of it, even if it, it talks that it took me some time to actually connect, like where can I actually jump into that field? Where can I connect the dots as well? But uh, generally, there uh, maybe maybe it's better to give out examples of previous experience, and that will perhaps give a better better show to the audience of what what kind of things I normally do. Yep. So um, so there there are a few startups that we, especially during COVID, there was a dramatic market opportunity over there for some certain startups. So there was this startup called Casey Chang. It's a Chinese Chinese startup where it primarily focused on medical supplies. So okay. one of the things that do supply is the PPE, what we call it as the personal protective equipments, including surgical masks, as well as surgical, uh, surgical gowns that is yes. actively required and hugely has on a huge demand during COVID for, from public hospitals. So what we did is we actually linked them to the public hospital systems, to the procurement managers, and we helped them to get, helped them to get into the process of um, the public the government tenders. And that actually dramatically increased the turnover during that bad year, this year. Now, the other things, other than LinkedIn and up to the hospital systems, we also help them to uh, connect to um, 
uh, other health startups that we, we used to do. So that's the, the reason why we keep talking to startups during the weekdays is to understand what other startups are doing. Because when we collide with another startup, between startups to startups, there's collaborations, there's often a new market opportunity available. So speaking of which, there was um, a UK startup, it's called Credentially. It's a startup that focuses on um, HR in the hospital, HR things that is in the hospital. So we talk about, uh, as a doctor, there are multiple documents as, as well as qualification that you need to be compliant in every year. And that needs to be constantly updated you know, to provide a safe practice. Now, uh, this is often a very annoying process. As you can imagine, we keep uploading documents, we keep taking tests, we need to make things certified. It's just disgusting to talk about it. Now, what this startup did is just make, it, make the whole process online. Uh, using machine learning to identify documents to make it all all into a, all in one website. It performed really well in the UK. It it had a huge heat. Now it's trying to get into the US market as well as Australian market. So what we do as an Australian doctor is to find them uh, Australian startups that have similar concepts as well as a very similar um, sim or, or something that can integrate with them. So mm -hmm. we found a startup in Australia who actually did. Um, primary focusing on uh, HR uh, recruitments, recruitments process. So where they do, where, where they list out the employees and also jobs availabilities in hospital. And we try to link them up to this kind of services and provide like a market opportunities. Mate, love it, excellent. Your finger is on the pulse uh, in both <laughs> senses of the word. <laughs> How good is that, yeah, mate? Yeah. <laughs> what a fun. Okay, two part question for you. Uh, you've been on the receiving end and the giving end of advice in all manners, but if you had to outline along the, the entire journey, what's been your best piece of advice received and from who? And what's been the absolute worst, baddest, most horrendous advice you've ever received and from who? Yeah, uh, so the best advice I had is, uh, one of them is the uh, the startup, in order to invest in a startup, you think of it as raising a kid. Uh, you don't just pay the school fee, you also need to let them learn, like guide them through the whole growing process. Yep. So just like how you raise a kid, you also invest time, you give them advice, you, you also open opportunities in startups, that is exactly the same concept. Now, the other thing that I learned from a mentor uh, who's actually um, earns a billionaire hedge fund in Australia is wow. actually uh, the fact that um, you, when the startup introduce a concept, if they can't summarize it in one sentence, then they have a problem. They, uh, the, the fact that a startup hasn't have a focused niche or targeted market, that is a huge concern. And that is the moment where you actually need to rethink whether to put more time and money into this startup. So that actually reminds me of having a chat with another startup yesterday, where it was startup, uh, I wouldn't mention the name here. However, the startup, the startup was a startup that focused on um, having a patient volunteer past medical history. Now, during that, that is a very oversimplification statement from my point of view, because I made that up. But from uh, that only comes up after a one, after a one hour conversation where in that one hour conversation, she was like, uh, I want to integrate with EMR. I want to integrate it with uh, the pharmaceutical companies. I want to do that, I want to do that. And it took me some time to actually say, so is this, in putting in one sentence, is this actually what you're doing? And, and that actually took a one hour process. And that was actually pretty concerning. 
Um, now, in terms of the worst advice, uh, it's, I guess, again, that was learned from the million, the, the mentor that I have, the billion hedge fund, uh, the billion hedge fund manager. Now, uh, it is okay to be specialized in a certain area. However, you shouldn't get hooked up and only focus on area and only focus on one area and never, never touch any other extension, any other areas in, in the market. Now, there's a, I believe there's a perfect balance between uh, diversifications as well as specializing in some certain stuff. Um, because by the end of the day, no matter how good a startup looks like, how, how good they're performing right now, the future is unknown. You don't know what can happen in the future. And unfortunately, unfortunate event can happen internally where there could be like collab, um, some conflicts happening within the executive team members or externally as well, like COVID, for example. So during this, um, during this COVID crisis, if let's say I simply invested in startups that's related to restaurants or food startup process, food process, food processing, then I will be so dead by now. But the thing, the thing is you've got to have a diversified portfolio, even in the startups in order to survive through the whole process, especially in a risky business, like, a, like an injury investment. Mm -hmm. Love it, mate. Excellent. All right. So is there one particular company locally or in Australia that has either really stood out to you as a great example of a startup that's, that's done well globally? Or if you can't think of one in particular, is there an example of an Aussie business that's really uh, taken off that potentially you considered getting in on and you passed on? Yeah. Uh, so I think in here I might raise one of the startups that I had a chat just this week, this Monday. It's an awesome startup idea uh, where they talk about having an online prescription for patients. That's where, where it integrates with the price as well as a combination of medications. By combining medications and check comparing which one is cheaper, it actually helps the patient from, from a pharmaceutical perspective. Wow. Now, uh, this startup was awesome. Uh, like if this startup simply did it in the Australian market, they wouldn't be, they wouldn't be so successful. The reason behind is because in Australia, we're blasted with uh, uh, PBS. We have a market cap. We have a cap on how much we can spend off model, uh, on drugs per year. And once we hit beyond that cap, we won't pay more than that. But in the market like US, for example, it's not, we, they're not as blasted as, uh, as us, where they can like, pay from range from 200 or even $1,000. And with a simple concept like this, where we compare between the price of medications as well as which combination of medications is better, they actually successfully found a niche in that market. And right now they're, they're trying to, uh, with, within two days of raising capital, they already raised it 1 million. And that was a really successful startup that, that people should be looking at. Yeah, love it, excellent. Okay, well, one final question for you, and that is right now, if you were looking to early stage fund a startup with, let's say, a $50,000 investment, what kind of business or founder would you be investing that in right now? And what would you be hoping to see the money be spent on once released? So uh, I, I will be looking in a very, 
sorry, the line is a bit cut in here. Uh, so I hope you, you, you keep going, mate. All good. I hope I hope you got I got your question right. So basically, what what will I invest in? What kind of people or founders I'm looking at for? Isn't isn't the question? Is it? Correct. Yeah, and if you had if you had say fifty thousand dollars in seed funding to release now into a business, uh, what would that be, and where would you hope to see the money be spent? Or maybe what would you not like to be seeing the money get spent on? sense now uh obviously i um especially after covid i strongly i strongly believe like health is going to be health industry and especially health startup is something going to be dramatically a huge focus afterwards because people finally realize how laid back a health system is and people will start realize uh start putting money as well as there's a uh, focus on health startups so i definitely recommend health startups if i say that's somewhere somewhere where you want to start uh, now, in terms of like what, how they want to use that fund, I normally would like to see they utilize that fund in terms of the growth aspect. So if let's say they can utilize that fund in, in order to uh, exploring new distribution channels or new market areas or uh, connecting uh, or researching to improve their own products, that is something that I'm looking after. But not, rather, if let's say a fund, uh, if a company is trying to hire the wrong people at wrong time, that is something that I do not want to see. So if let's say they're hiring a growth manager when they don't even have any sales to start off with, that is a big no-no. Okay. Yep. Beautiful. Now, that's important to note because quite often there's a misalignment with amounts of funding required and what to be spent on. And uh, there's obviously red flags will stand out to an investor every day of the week. So, um, yeah, great. That's excellent insights. All right. So tell me, other than LinkedIn, where people can Google Dr. Wyatt, NG, and find you, how else can people find out about your other endeavors with Elixir, Capital, and the like? Uh, I guess at this stage, the best point, the best place to find me is actually LinkedIn. But you can always uh, shoot me a message on LinkedIn. Um, and we, I'm happy to have a chat because uh, I believe like conversations where collaboration starts. Mate, I love it. You've been awesome and great to hear the story of not only such a young angel investor, but also one that's a doctor. Um, I'm super pumped to have been able to bring someone to the show of such a unique nature and good on you for doing your part in the ecosystem and really mobilising and getting awareness and more people into the act of angel investing because it's, it's the only way we're going to solve this funding gap and this funding problem in Australia. It's getting more people like you uh, into the game. So... Good on you, Dr. White, and thanks for being on the show. Anything else to add for our listeners before we wrap up? No, that's, that's awesome, Brandon. It has been a great chat with you. Thanks for inviting me. Awesome, mate. Well, you've heard it first, guys, those listening and watching. If you haven't booked your angel investment opportunity discovery session already, what are you waiting for? You've just heard firsthand from Dr. Wyatt why angel investing could be the right avenue for you, and it's a great way to make an impact. So come and change the game with us at c2angels.com and look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the show. See you guys. And that's all we have time for today on the Angel Investors Access Show, your series with Brandon Burns from C2 Angels. If you're thinking about becoming an angel investor and you don't know where to start, then you know exactly where to head, c2angels.com and book your angel investment opportunity discovery session now. Until next time, I'm Brandon Burns and I'll catch you later.